Welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Hi. How are we both? Exhausted. Exhausted. Whoa. Oh. (laughs) Both of us exhausted. Um, Do you want to know why I'm exhausted, Tom? Why are you exhausted? Because I was so wired after the race yesterday and after work (laughs) that I didn't get to sleep until three o'clock this morning. (laughs) That's no good. For work. It was an eventful one, I think, wasn't it? It's fair to say. Yeah. Yes. For me, it's because I've been stood on my feet for four days straight. And today's the first <laughs> that day will... I've like sat down in five days. That will also do it. <laughs> Every day is leg day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job then that I am over my jet lag and will actually yeah, have a little bit yeah, of energy. This, for this was all you this I'm... week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'll be doing much talking today anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's about time I put some work in, isn't it? Um, so I guess we'll start with qualifying, um, where Ferrari seemed to turn up with the pace that had gone missing in Australia, mm-hmm. um, which was nice. Uh, Mercedes started off miles away from them in practice, but at least seemed to claw a bit of pace back to put up a fight in qualifying, uh, but not nearly enough to stop her or Ferrari front row. Uh, as Leclerc took his first ever pole, uh, three tenths ahead of Vettel, um, and Hamilton was kind of a tenth or so behind that, I think. Yeah, good to see Leclerc uh, doing his thing, showing up uh, to that promise. Yeah, it was a, it was a great session. The whole, the really whole was. qualifying was brilliant. It was just one of those really, really, really intense ones where you didn't quite know who was going to get it, even though obviously leading into qualifying, like you say, there, there was quite, quite a sizable gap between Ferrari and the rest. But actually, once the time started coming in during the qualifying session itself, then it got much, much closer, didn't it? Yes, much closer. Um, it was one of those you never really knew until the end who was actually going to get it, which is uh, always nice. Yeah, edge of the um, seat stuff. Yes. And then the really big surprise of qualifying, McLaren, both cars in Q3, um, yeah. qualified 7th and 10th, which then became 7th and 9th after Grosjean got um, a three-place penalty for impeding Norris, which seemed a little harsh, actually. It kind of looked like Vettel sort of impeded Grosjean, who then... Almost like a chain reaction impeded Norris and Grosjean got the penalty for it, but it kind of looked like that because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it's an accurate description. Lucky metal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's there's kind of an unwritten rule among the drivers that you don't over during qualifying you don't overtake into the final corner, and um, Vettel ignored that unwritten yeah. rule and went straight past it. And then it turned out that um, uh, Grosjean only had three seconds to respond to the fast approaching Norris behind him. It's not very and, long. Um, yeah, no one, his team couldn't get in touch with him in time and Norris just came up on him. And he almost spun himself out reacting to, yeah. to uh, Norris coming up on him. So um, it was unfortunate. It was very, very unlucky there, I thought. Um, yeah, definitely. Seems a little harsh. Mm. But yeah, McLaren, where, where's that come from? Like they qualified, I think it was, uh, both the Hasses, both the Force Indias. Um, it was only um, the Mercedes, Ferraris, and one of the Red Bull ahead of Science. Mm. I just um, well, the, you know, they are they're often quite quick 
early season though, aren't they? Yeah, they weren't too bad at the start of last season, Australian Bahrain, if you think about it, I guess. Because mm. I remember Australia, like, what was it, a fifth for Alonso when he was like, this is going to be the worst Couple result years ago, yeah. of the season. <laughs> and yeah, look how that turned out. Yeah. 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 Um, but this was their first time they've both been in Q3 since uh, the Malaysian Grand Prix in 2017. Um, so it's been a long time coming. Um, but hopefully it's a sign of them heading in the right direction. I guess we'll see. China's quite a similar track, though, to Bahrain in a lot of ways. So you'd expect that performance to carry over, but we shall mm. see. Yeah, we will. But let's talk about the race. Starting at the start, Vettel and Bottas both had much better starts than their teammates, even though they're on the dirty side. In fact, a lot of the way down the grid, the guys on the dirty side seemed to get better starts than the racing line, which was unusual. But yeah, that put Vettel into the lead. Uh, Leclerc had, I think, a scrappy first lap, it's fair to say. Yeah. It looked like he was driving with no front wing for most of the air first lap. Um, yeah. Lost, lost the lead at the start, then Bottas got him around the outside of turn four, and then basically had Hamilton and Verstappen all over the back of him for the rest of the first lap. But he sort of kept his head. It's the first time he's been running that far up in a race at the start, and he's kept his head despite it all going wrong around him, which is a good mm-hmm. sign, I guess. Yeah, well, I just wonder what led to that. I wonder if, if it was the preparation on the... Uh... On the, on the, has anyone read anything or heard anything? I've not really why? seen anything. No, because um, because Hamilton had a sort of equally bad start, and I, yeah. I've seen him after the race just sort of say starts is something he and the team need to work on because he didn't have the best of starts in Australia either, did he? No, he didn't. Rosberg used to complain about starts. Like yeah, series, or didn't he? He used to say that was his weak point. Yeah, if Hamilton has a weak point, starts is probably one mm. of them. Yeah. He doesn't have many. On probably on the closest. No, it's probably on the closest things he does have to a weak point. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, um, in contrast to that, Vettel um, seems at the moment to have many weak points, but his starts are often lightning <laughs> quick. Yeah, he can definitely start a race. Yeah. His weak point is definitely putting his foot down when leaving a corner. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just leave, we'll just leave that one there that for one a minute. There, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we'll let that hang in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the background, there was just a shower of sparks, uh, which turned out to be uh, Stroll and Grosjean bashing wheels through turn two. Um, it kind of buckled Grosjean's wheel rim, uh, which drops him obviously to the back, and eventually he retired as a result of that damage. Uh, it went down as a racing incident. I don't know if you guys have a differing it opinion on that. It was fairly tight, first couple of corners, wasn't it? It's, you know, yeah. Grosjean kind of came across the nose of the car a little bit, but... Nobody was really chopping anyone off. Nobody was really being that aggressive. It was just tight turn two, the fields closing in on each other because it, yeah. everyone's bunched into a, the first couple of corners, really. I don't yeah. think there was any more to it than that. Nah, I, I've seen the onboard from Grosjean, and he, he was just taking the regular mm-hmm. line through there. Um, and uh, I guess, it, I don't know, from, from Grosjean's onboard, it looks almost like Stroll's like understeered into him. But um, you can't really see either side, yeah. so it's impossible. I've not seen Stroll's on board. Yeah, so I, don't know, maybe I think maybe. Stroll had like someone else the other yeah. side of him, so he didn't really have that many. He had a Renault on the inside of him I'll... from memory, so he, he sort of he couldn't go as far towards the apex as what maybe Grosjean was thinking he was going yeah. to. I can tell you from the radio messages that Grosjean was not very happy about it. Wasn't best pleased, was he? No, effing and jeffing like you would not believe. 
I mean, I guess the sad part from his point of view is that had he not picked up that qualifying penalty, he'd have been two or three mm. car lengths ahead of uh, where Stroll was sliding yeah, across the racetrack. But yeah, it's, it's turned into a weekend to forget, hasn't mm. it, for Grosjean? Yeah, sadly. Um, but yeah, that eventually put Grosjean out of the race. He was the first retirement uh, and the only retirement for a very long time. Um, yeah. Until, yeah, other things which we'll get to. Um then at the front, uh, Leclerc sort of got his head together um, and got back on the uh, leading two. Uh, his pass on Bottas was a weird one. He sort of stuck his nose out to have a look, but didn't really seem to be committing. And then Bottas just kind of locked up a bit and left the door wide open for him. Um, mm. Possibly just caught out by the massive tailwind because the wind was just whipping around that place all day like nobody's business. So I don't know if he did had a, a Rosberg-esque gust of winds <laughs> took him out um but yeah that allowed Leclerc through uh back into second um then Hamilton also got alongside Bottas and we had some nice uh flashbacks to Hamilton and Rosberg going through yeah. sort of turn four and five uh side by side uh they managed to not hit each other which is nice <laughs> um but hmm. some really good wheel-to-wheel racing between them two yeah Ham- Hamilton to be fair to him drove a really, really strong race, I thought. He really despite did. struggling through the middle part of it, which I guess we'll get to. I haven't read your notes, but... Um, we'll get there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the first kind of tragedy of the race, I would say, um, was Sainz, who, after qualifying so well, was also racing incredibly well. Um, just chased down Verstappen in no time at all, was all over the back of him for a while. Yeah. Um, also had to go into turn four, which turn four seemed to be like the overtaking spot this year, didn't it? It's always yeah, kind it of been... Turn one didn't get quite as much action this year, which is maybe a result of the new regulations, kind of allowing cars to follow closer through one, two, and three, so four is a better place to set up, potentially. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe. And the which where was the extra DRS zone? It was like it was it wasn't at four, was it? It was further around the extra DRS. Actually, zone. yes. No, it was. It was into four, so that probably explains it a lot as well. Because wow. before it was just the main straight and that kind of middle the of the lap straight. straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although there were moves early on in the race, sort of pre DRS, so I think it's maybe a bit of both. Um, but yeah, anyway, Sainz tried to pass Verstappen on, again around the outside. Uh, they ended up bashing wheels, uh, which caused a puncture for Sainz, which dropped him all the way to the back from a amazing sixth place, which I think is the highest McLaren have run for some time. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you think of this one? Again, this one went down as a racing incident. Mm, it's a tough one. Yeah. Um, obviously, Verstappen, you feel like Verstappen does race hard. You feel like Verstappen would do well in Formula E. <laughs> but um, I think probably was a racing incident. It's, it's, there's, not, there's no real angle that shows any sort of deliberate moves or chops from what I've seen. No. So it's, it's, it's a tough one to say, really. I mean, obviously, they shouldn't be making contact, but... No, yeah, I think yeah. the only thing I'd say is that signs really pinched Verstappen like he left him a car's width but he really pinched him which basically left Verstappen with either backing out or taking lots of curb which is obviously yeah. going to unsettle the car and obviously mm-hmm. Verstappen is never going to choose the backing out option so yeah. you could argue that Sainz should maybe have given him more room 
which would have meant Verstappen didn't take so much curb, which didn't unsettle the there car. There was definitely but... more room to be had by signs on the outside. Oh. I'd agree with oh, you for there, sure. definitely. But yeah, he did leave enough room. It's just, I think, maybe less aggressive and sort of held it off for another lap and got a little closer. Maybe he'd have come out a little better yeah. off, but... It is what it is, I think, isn't it, that one? Thinking if you're in a McLaren and you see an opportunity to pass a Red Bull, Very you're not going to bite your time. It. You're going to take Very every true. chance you can, aren't you? Yeah. Um, not only that, but another contributing factor to all this could be the fact that um, Verstappen was fighting the car for the entire race. Mm. Like he yes, he had a... <laughs> once comfortable in that car. Yeah, he said he didn't have a single lap where the car handled well, which is not a great no. review, really, is it? Especially with a Red Bull. Adrian Newell will be spitting yeah. at that review. I saw after um, Australia's or how Marco said at one point in practice, they sent him out with like a new direction of setup and the car was handling like a rallycross car. It was just like power sliding everywhere and leaving rubber trails all over the place. Mm, sounds goodness. delightful. It sounds great fun. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound fast, but it sounds fun. Yeah. Then ahead of all that, um, Leclerc just went about chasing down Vettel at the front again in just no time at all um eventually passing him to take the lead at the beginning of lap four uh sort of around the outside of turn one then Vettel tried to come back into um four and just didn't really have the speed for it um the interesting thing that didn't really go out on the television feed was that earlier on in that lap Leclerc sent a message just saying I'm faster which is kind of I guess just making a point and letting the team know. Uh, and the reply that came back said hold position for two laps, um, which he ignored within half a lap, which is... Ooh. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, he's already kind of going against the team when he sees he's got an opportunity, which is... I mean, I, I doubt, given what happened, I doubt anyone on the team will have been giving him a telling off after this particular race, mm. but... I'm sure they will definitely have noted that. I'm surprised. Where did you see that? Um, where did I see that? On the internet. I have did my usual trawling the internet <laughs> to find stuff. Um, did you see footage and hear the message? Do you hear the you heard the radio message? Uh, I've not heard the Oh actually No, I think I did hear the radio message in the end. I saw kind of a few journalists tweeting a transcript of it and then I think I actually did somewhere hear a recording of it. Um it is it is definitely a real thing that happened. They asked him oh, to hold wow. position for I'm, two laps. I missed that. I managed to miss that. Mm. Um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Shows he's got uh he's he's not gonna play number two, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well it's very yeah, it's very interesting in that regard. Like, of course, like you know, it, it, he showed he absolutely showed this this weekend for the entire weekend that is not he is not a number two driver he is there for uh he means business mm. and i think yes that's definitely ra- i definitely think that's rattled vettel to a, a degree as well oh for sure yeah i mean the was just faster than him <laughs> all weekend He'd- he dominated him. He absolutely yeah, dominated absolutely. Him. Sorry, all I can hear in my head over and over again right now is Leclerc is faster than you. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, one day. <laughs> yeah. Those um, were the days. Yeah. But yes, uh, so Leclerc took the lead, basically started disappearing down the road. Um, again, Vettel much like uh, Verstappen, which was not happy with his car for most of the weekend either. Um, 
he never really sort of got uh got it in the place he wanted to for the whole race. Um Bottas was the first the leading group to pit, um, sort of quickly followed by Leclerc and Hamilton. Uh, interestingly, Vettel had to wait until a lap later than he would have wanted to because um, his teammate needed to pit first, which sounds very familiar. Mm. <laughs> um, and as a result, he lost a place to Hamilton, which um, must have stung. But yeah, most interestingly there, I guess, is that everybody went on to meetings except Hamilton, who put on the softs, um, which kind of confirmed what we expected, which was that everyone was doing a two-stop strategy. Mm. Um Except the softs, which are normally the faster race tire, just weren't. Like Hamilton struggled on them straight away. He, um, the guys in the mediums are putting in faster times than him. He was wearing the tires away really quickly, um, which allowed yeah. Vettel to catch him and pass him. Wasn't really a fight at that point, was it? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Can I um, just take us back to the pit stops really quickly? Go for it. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we take a, a little diversion through the pits? Let's do it. Um, so... During the live broadcast, a an interesting thing happened. A graphic came up. Uh, a, a AWS or Amazon Web Services came up. Gra- graphic came up on the world feed, and it gave us the percentage chance of an overtake yes. coming between Hamilton and Vettel. Now, I wasn't very happy with that graphic. I didn't like it because I felt like it took some of the dra- It took all the drama out of that pit stop. Like normally, when when you there's an opportunity for someone to do the undercut on someone, it's it's a really dramatic moment in a race, and you're like, will he make it? Won't he make it? Will they be quick enough? Won't they be quick enough? Kind of thing. And yeah. this graphic comes up, and it's like this: he has an eighty percent, eighty five percent chance of making this work, and it just took the. I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it just I felt like it took the drama out of it. Mm. The the percentage element of that graphic I thought was a bit wishy washy and a bit I don't know felt a little yeah, bit plucked like out of the based air. on what yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah but I, well I did like the other side of the graphic it had kind of a live estimation of the gap based on their current positions and the average time for a pit stop which I find that quite interesting to see how that gap was kind of ebbing and flowing on sort of the in laps and out laps of the them respectively. Um, but I know what you mean. I, I guess it'd be useful as well in a scenario where, for example, you've got somebody that's putting in laps that are X number of tenths faster than the person ahead of them, and it gives you an estimation yeah. on the screen of he should catch him by lap 52 or, you know, whatever it might be. And yeah, it, so you know when because, to pay attention. Yeah, because obviously mm. there's, there's a lot of numbers flying around and, and maybe for a more casual fan, it, it's harder to sort of keep track of the interval times if you're not if you're newer to it and you're not as sure what the times are meaning and what a, a sector time looks like and whether it's a good time or a bad time and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's not always as obvious if you are a more casual viewer. So I think things like that will definitely help. I think it's just more about how you do them because the percentage thing seems yeah. a little bit Meh. I'd, like I how do you work it right, out? It was the wrong format, right idea, but wrong format. Yeah, is what I'm getting at, I guess. For for me, it's just it, it, it's not as technical as that. For me, it's more narrative. Like it, it just feels like the giving away what's going to happen before it happens. So yeah. it takes the excitement out of it. Mm-hmm. That's my problem with it. Like you can read the time, you you can you can watch the times go down. You can look at the sector times. You can look at the lap times and see how much quicker someone is than someone else. And sort of from that, you get an idea in your head that 
maybe they might make it work, but you never know for sure. And this thing just made it a dead cert. And that's why I don't like I feel I felt like it was bad for the show. That's that's yeah. my opinion. If anything, I think that sort of graphic could be more useful in a situation where two drivers are kind of on split strategy. So, you know, say one's finished on mediums, one finished on softs. So it's kind of where their strategies are kind of coming back together to kind of give you an idea of whether there's going to be a race on when they finally do get close to each other on the track yeah. again. But when it's that kind of their lap, they're pitting one lap apart. I know what yeah. you mean. It just kind of... It felt like they were saying this is... It's like a brag almost. It's like, look what we figured out. This is going yeah. to happen. It's not like... It's not a dramatic situation anymore. <laughs> Whereas like if they don't do that graphic, everyone's on the edge of their seat going, is he gonna? Is it going to happen? Is he going to get ahead of him? Is he not going to get ahead of him? So I, I, that's why I didn't like it. I think the thing is to suggest it to somebody that might not have spotted that it could happen, to, to plant that seed in a viewer's mind that something could evolve out of what's going on, but not just go... Yeah, this is what's going to happen. This when. will happen. Yeah, I think I yeah. think I agree with you on exactly. that. That respect, like, stop making it yeah. seem like That's a dead cert thing, and and plant yeah, that definitely. seed of yeah, yeah. if this happens, this could happen, and and sort of more exactly let yeah. the viewer think about that for themselves because that's how you turn somebody more into the kind of timings observer that we can be, where where like, oh, so and so's. I can see that out the corner of my eye while I was watching the feed. <laughs> I can see that sector time coming down. Or, or you know, like we spot things like that, but we're encouraged by the fact that we're spotting them for himself for ourselves. So it kind of helps yeah. a more casual fan understand how to spot those things for themselves, which makes them more excited about it. I guess. I think oh, I think part of the fun comes from when you do when you do spot a little thing, just a small thing like a sector time coming down, or like. Or, or a gap coming down and then you call it and then it happens yeah. that's really satisfying and that's really really fun yeah because you've you, you've 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 watched it and you've taken notice and you've paid attention and that you get that little hit of endorphins in your brain when you get something right yeah <laughs> rather does. than that's just, that's, rather that's than that's the telly physics. telling that's, you what's about to happen yeah that's human physicality and yeah. when yeah when someone says this is going to happen and then it happens there's just no satisfaction from that maybe the person that laid the graphic on just had one of those moments that we're describing like they were like i've worked <laughs> this out i need to tell everybody <laughs> tell the world <laughs> Well, um, the the artificial intelligence computer that I've got in front of me figure this out. Yeah, told everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I do like that they're kind of experimenting with stuff like this. Like at the end of the day, those graphics aren't for us. Like they're for they're for people who've watched the Netflix documentary and this is the second race they've ever yeah. watched. Like yeah, it's people like us who sit there watching live timing and we see a green number appear and can tell you that someone's going to pop out of the pits at this point. Like that's not for us at all. No, um, you're right. You're right. You know, but, that we, but the thing is we still see it and you can't the like, problem, yeah. take us out of the equation because we've been there from the start and we're not going anywhere. <laughs> you just need to put a bit of paper over your screen where that graphic appears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what I found weird is that I didn't really notice it until you've pointed out that it happened. Because you know, because I, <laughs> oh, well, I, 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 mean, I don't look. I yeah. don't, in a way, I don't look for things like that. And I, I'm always looking for stuff for myself anyway. So I think because of that, I maybe just didn't spot that it was going on. I don't know. 
maybe. One new thing I do like is the little orange thing next to drivers that are kind of under investigation. Yeah, yeah. and the purple fastest lap note. The, the and the purple fastest, fastest lap notification lap thing, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. The thing that it took me until the last five laps in Australia to work out what it was. <laughs> Because I was thinking, I, <laughs> I, was, I was assuming because it was up on the top the entire time with Bottas, I just assumed it was because mm. he was what was considered the interval. So he obviously he was a zero with the timing thing next to him. And it wasn't until it started moving round as other people were doing faster <laughs> slaps. I was like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a nice little touch that I really like. That. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, shall we, shall we go back into, shall we come out of the pits and back into the race? Yeah, let's go out of the pits. <laughs> Where were we? Yes, Hamilton, he put softs on. Um, and he kept them for a whole 11 laps before he ate them to pieces, um, which then did mean that he was on the mediums so, for... She's got this image of Lewis Hamilton just like noshing Chewing away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it did mean he was then on the mediums for the rest of the race, which appeared to be the much better race tyre. Um, as a result, even after his second stop um, and Vettel only having made one stop, he caught Vettel within four laps. Um, went again around the outside of turn four, which was the overtaking point. Um, and then as Vettel kind of tried to fight back, just sort of spun all on his own for just no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah, he was like, no no contact, no, no. hitting debris, no anything, no, not even on a curb, just just did a little spin. Um, <laughs> it's a really weird way to describe it. I like the tone of voice. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so weird. Like, I know we've seen Vettel spinning a lot in the last year or so but more often than not there's at least a bit of contact with something in the process but this was just all on his own i mean the only thing i'll say is that it kind of happened as he was cutting across the back of the mercedes so probably a loss of front down force no i'm not buying that i'm not buying that no you're not no i'm not having that do you think he just stuck his foot down a bit too hard if if he had a loss of front down force he'd have understeered wouldn't he not oversteered yeah, that's true. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he just. I it. have put my right foot down far too heavy, far too many times on F1 games and done exactly that. So I'm saying that's what he yeah. did. Because <laughs> I've done it yeah. too many times to, to say anything otherwise. <laughs> Vettel's own words were that he got taken by surprise. And that's why. <laughs> by how far he moved his right foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know quite what he was surprised by. Because no, just... there's no way he didn't know where Hamilton was. But No, not at all. Um, um, the, yeah, the, lo- the loss of downforce, and plus he was off to Hamilton was kind of like parallel and ahead. Mm-hmm. Kind of, that's not a real thing. You can't be parallel and ahead. Um, <laughs> it, it, if if he was further back, he would be. Parallel, I know what you mean, but though. He was ahead of him, and he was off to one yeah. side. So uh, there wouldn't be that much of a loss of downforce for from. For, he's just planted his right foot, like Tom says. I tried, Seb. I tried to give you an out, but they're having none of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hadn't had a spin flat spotted pretty much everything um then just to add insult to injury as a result of the flat spots uh his front wing fell off in the most spectacular fashion yeah down the back straight just the biggest share of sparks i've seen from an f1 car in maybe ever yeah. it was actually fascinating to see that whole thing unfold it really was almost literally unfold too Russell's reaction to it as well as it happened. Yeah. Russell absolutely shit himself. <laughs> Swerved off to one side and was like, Jesus. <laughs> um, if you watch the onboard of it on the replay, you see 
if, if you can get if the, if it's on the if it's on the highlights, I don't know if it is or not. But you see Russell just like oh, swerve out yeah. of the way on his uh, on his steering wheel. It's it's, really, it's quite obviously you would be cacking yourself if that happened ahead of you. Um, I'm just throwing about ten swear words in there for you to edit out. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like you could see like the the resonance running through the car as he drove along, and you could see it sort of pitching and bouncing up. The flat spots were so deep into the tires; it's no wonder it came off. Shows how delicate the things can be, though, as well. That that set of vibration managed to dislodge it the way that it did. I mean, front wings are a big, heavy thing, and they're not like the mountains of them are pretty small, so. That much energy is just going to mm. cause it to fail, I guess. True. I mean, he's only lucky it just went under the car and didn't get stuck and spear him into a yeah, wall or something. A front wing under the front wheels is, well, you've got no steering Scary. at that point if it's stuck no. there, have you? So. Hmm. Yeah, it was amazing to see, though, anyway. It, it made some, there's, there's some cracking photos knocking around for it. There as is. Well. Yeah, some amazing yeah. photos. A wheelie, almost. Um, but yeah, that sort of put the end to uh, Vettel's, uh, well, any chance of a podium, let alone a win. Um, it's another sort of unforced error, isn't it? It's it's the Vettel that I guess a lot of people will have hoped got left behind last mm. season. Mm. It's a Vettel maybe rattled by his teammate, if you wanted to start that debate. Yes, rattled by his teammate and potentially, and also just going wheel-to-wheel with Hamilton and coming off worse. As per. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder what gets in his head at those moments because, generally speaking, it tends to be when he's wheel-to-wheel with Lewis. Like, the the whole comparison yeah. of Lewis saying, I don't want to be anywhere near Verstappen. Do you remember that last season? Like, when he was saying, if there's anyone yeah. you don't want to be near in turn one, he's like, it's Verstappen, I, I, I stay away from him because he doesn't want to go wheel-to-wheel with him. Is it maybe in Vettel's head that he just doesn't like going wheel-to-wheel with Hamilton, and that's where these mistakes come from? Uh, there's there, There's got to be like an element of, you know, last time I was in this situation, I spun. Mm. I better be careful not to spin again, and then the inevitable happens. As soon as you think about it, it happens. Yeah. Um, I, I do think like he's in his own head a little bit at the moment, Vettel. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. I think he was probably hoping to start this season with a sort of fresh slate, and it's not gone that way. <laughs> no, I mean the saving grace for him is that Hamilton didn't win in Australia. He was absolutely beasted by his teammate. Yeah, yeah. and um, he, you know, he had a decent. Where did where was uh, Vettel in Spain? He's still ahead of. He's, he's ahead of his teammate in the championship, isn't he? He's like fourth, third or fourth in the championship. Hey, it's a great question, which I do not, not the have championship the championship really matters. Verstappen's right up there as well, though, in terms of championship standings. He is, actually, he, yeah. I think he's third or fourth. Yeah, Verstappen's mm. like third or fourth. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's two races in, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll probably change quite drastically as the season unfolds, especially given the pace of the McLarens. <laughs> well, yeah. If they're going to get in the mix, anything can happen. Uh, sorry, just, I, I just took a minute to compute what you said there. I never thought we'd be hearing that this season. It like it caught me off right? guard. <laughs> <laughs> How times yeah. change. Yeah. Um there was sort of a brief lull after that. Um so Renault uh decided to give us some excitement. We're driving into each other. Ricardo had been on a very ambitious one stop strategy, which 
it became apparent very early on was not going to work, but they'd kind of backed themselves into a corner, um, which meant he got overtaken quite a lot um, and put up some uh, spirited defense against his teammate, I would say. Um, kind of understeered uh, after locking up a bit. Um was actually really lucky they didn't take each other out. Hulkenberg's uh, rear wheel just ran straight over Ricardo's front wing. Um, mm. Somehow didn't get a puncture, but kind of just didn't even break the front wing. It just like flapped over a bit of it. Just yeah. like folded it down. It folded over, didn't it? Yeah. T- 12 months ago, that would have been a spectacular puncture. That would. Yeah. It's uh, weird that he didn't. In a way, do you think that's maybe down to the way the regs have changed a little bit? The, the wing's less complicated, so... It's a bit less delicate. Possibly, yeah. And just less bits that can... Well, there's less stuff to come off and puncture the tyre, isn't it? That's what we're saying. Mm. We're saying that there's less stuff on there, so there's less sharp objects to strike the tyre and and cause damage to it. Yeah, you could well be right. The the wing's much bigger as well, so it's much more likely to make contact with the tyre because it sticks out much further than it did. 12 months ago, in that exact same situation, it probably would have just missed the front wing, actually, because they were a bit thinner, weren't they, the front wings? Yeah, that's true. Mm. Would have got away yeah, that's with it. Hmm. Speaking of front wings, did you see the little rule change that the FIA made before this race? No. Enlighten us. You've, you've been um, doing your homework, Chris. You, <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to make up for the absence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got like two or three weeks worth to make up for. <laughs> so they, they, I think they said they've got no evidence that any team was actually doing this, but they kind of heard rumblings that people had noticed this sort of loophole. Um, So, you know, gurney flaps, which are kind of, they're essentially little like vertical things on the end of um, aerodynamic devices. So your front wing will kind of slope up, then there'll be a little vertical bit just at the back Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, yeah. It's the aerodynamic equivalent of a sledgehammer. (laughs) Basically, yes. Uh, So the rules obviously say that after qualifying, you can't, make any adjustments to the aero parts whatsoever on a car. You can't add bits and take bits off. But what the rules didn't mention is moving bits. So there was talk that teams are going to sort of try and work out a system where you can have these gurney flaps just stuck elsewhere on the car for qualifying. So you had a nice uh, low down for skinny car to zip around in qualifying then before the race, you take them off and attach them to the front wing so you have a bit more downforce for the actual race. Um, but sh- surely that counts as a movable aerodynamic device? It's not moving during yeah. the race. It's only moving when it's in the, um, the mechanic's the, hand. Yeah, the way that the moving arrow works is that it's not adjustable during the race, isn't it, by the driver? While the, the car's, car's moving, moving yeah. yeah. That's the way that regulation works, motion, so... Yeah. It would loophole that, and we all well. That, yeah. yeah, that is the spirit of F one, isn't it? Is to find those loopholes and exploit them. That's it really is. Yeah, is. as I say, there's. I think there's no evidence anyone was doing it, but they just kind of became aware of this loophole and closed it down before it got. Can silly. you imagine the guy on Reddit mm. who was the person that spotted that, posted it, and then it was like, "Yeah, <laughs> you didn't." Hang on a minute, you didn't read that. You know, it's April Fool's Day, don't you? No, this was last week. <laughs> but don't worry. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, imagine if that like, took off, though. You'd just have like a boot in the back of the car with all kinds of aero bits for qualifying. <laughs> yeah. And before yeah, the race, yeah. just unload it all and stick it on. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. what the plan for the things on the front of the Alpha are. They all detach and clip onto oh, maybe, the bits yeah. of the car before they're in. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow, what a bizarre... What a, uh, That's so Weird strange. one, isn't that? Yeah, it's a really weird one, that. Wow. Good work, Chris. Um, <laughs> right, we've gone down another... Uh, not a memory chicane, what did we call no, them? I don't know. Just Point, seg- pointless just pitlane. To... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Runoff area. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of runoff areas. <laughs> huh. Right, yeah. So I guess we're we're sort of at the the tragedy portion of the episode. Oh. Um Leclerc with a almost eight second lead on Hamilton, um, and growing all the time. We got to lap forty six, uh, at which point he radioed the team to say there was something wrong with the engine. Um originally they thought it was an MGUH failure, but they've since said that the engine just lost a cylinder. His lead obviously disappeared because he was several Pulse powers down, Hamilton cruised past him, and then Bottas followed suit not long after. Yeah. Um, he was uh, led Martin Brundle to say his thing that it's my favorite thing that he says. And it's, he, he always says how much horsepower is in the average family saloon. Yeah. Which is about 170 <laughs> horsepower, which isn't true. It's probably more like 110 horsepower. But anyway, <laughs> um, he always says, and that'll push that along very nicely. Into <laughs> I love that that's his like unit of measurement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Um, I just get such entertainment every time he says that. I just like, <laughs> throw that in there. It is very good. Um, but yeah, Leclerc was a family saloon down on power. Um, <laughs> he would have probably lost his podium entirely had Renault not come to the rescue and uh, had both their cars fail at the same corner on the same lap. Hulkenberg seemed to have something quite spectacularly go wrong in the back and a lot of smoke came out. Whereas Ricardo, much like he's Red Bull did several times last year, (laughs) just turned off. (laughs) Just completely turned off mid-corner. Shall we go back to Leclerc first before we get into that? Because I feel like we've not really spoken enough about Leclerc. We've not given this the airtime it deserves. No, not at all. Um, as I say, obviously, because of Renault, he salvaged a third place, which will mean absolutely nothing to him. Um, it's, it's, it's it's not very often you see something happen in F1 and you know that every single person watching is feeling the exact same emotions. Like if when Vettel mm. crashed out the lead in Germany, there were Hamilton fans celebrating, there were Vettel fans that were sad, you know, and it, the same thing happened vice versa. Like I feel like every single person watching this was just devastated. I could not agree with that more. Um, everyone I watched the race with, we we were all up in arms. We were yeah. literally, I, I've, you, to be to be honest, the whole race. I've never seen it. I've never watched a race. Uh, I, I was watching it with a big group of people, and I've never seen a race where so many times people were cheering and 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 groaning together and just <laughs> it, it, it had everything this race but that this it was it, literally Shakespeare could not have written this race it was <laughs> just it had everything and the the emotions the highs and lows of it were just so so strong this time around it was but yeah for for, for Leclerc to go out the way it did that was just absolutely heartbreaking heartbreaking that was the biggest groan of the day I can tell you. 
heartbreaking is the word for it. And like, you know, as Hamilton took him for the lead, he kind of, not that Leclerc would have seen it, but Hamilton kind of made a gesture of almost like, you know, I'm sorry I'm having to do this. And yeah. like on the slowdown lap, like you normally see everyone driving past the winner and kind of giving them a thumbs up and everyone was doing that to Leclerc. Like everybody knew that was his day. Mm. Like he was the best driver out there that day. And he had a third place to show for it, which is... Hamilton passing by like a man about to shoot his own dog. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You just... You, you could tell part of him just didn't want to do it. Bit too dark, that wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is considering his dog ends with the race circuit sometimes, and everybody knows who it is. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. Oh, sorry. Um, and like even after the race, like most people were just talking about how Leclerc should have been the one winning that. Like, and you had yeah. that. He was one of those weird podiums where no one on the podium really wants to celebrate. Yeah. Mm. I think Bottas was probably the happiest man up there because he was kind of nowhere the whole race, and somehow he got a second out of it. Um, yeah. In one of the interviews afterwards, he said it's nice to have a bit of luck actually come my way for once. Yeah, <laughs> fair play to him. Yeah, um, there's promising things to take out of it though. Like, I, I, I'm fully with everybody that it's you know it's a bit gut wrenching that he didn't get the win. But at the end of the day, for me, he he set an amazing pole lap and he was dominating that race until that happened. No one could touch him. So it's it's not like this was his one and only chance and it, it's now gone. There's, no, there's no, multiple no. wins in that car and him this season easily without a sure. shadow of a doubt. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, that's one really good takeaway. Yeah. Another really good takeaway is there was a shot of um, Toto Wolff grinning like a Bond villain in the garage. <laughs> and I can understand why I can actually, not that I'm a evil person or a Bond villain, but I can actually understand why he was grinning there. And it's because his team provided his drivers with the equipment to get to the end of the race and win it. And yeah. he's, he's done his job. And it, that must be very satisfying when you're staring down the barrel of a defeat, a heavy defeat, and the car fails and your car runs more or less flawlessly through the entire race. Yeah. 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 Obviously still uh, gutted for Leclerc, but from a team's perspective, my team beat your team. I'm very happy oh, yeah. about that. You know? And he knows they got out of jail really this race. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> they were roundly beaten. Yeah, they got some serious work to do. But that's what the Mercedes ethos is built on, though, isn't it? Like, as a, as a manufacturer and as a racing team, it's we will out just outlast people because we build the mm. best quality engine. That's the sort of mentality and the ethos. Yes, obviously, they want to be the fastest and they strive to have the fastest engine, but ultimately, it's we will also outlast you. So even if we can't beat you for speed, we will beat you on attrition. And that's how they've won a number of world titles so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's, that's how they've won this race. Yeah, they've exactly. Won it on attrition, haven't they? Exactly. Mm. It's a very good analysis. As we've said many times before, it's not necessarily wins, although they did win this race, it's not necessarily wins that win your championships. It's consistency. And yeah. Ferrari <laughs> showed they don't have that right now. Yeah. Or any look. It's, it is, it's just so gutting. I, like, even having said all that, like I'm still really, really, really sad that he didn't oh yeah, get completely his, his first win. Um, I think he took it as well as 
could be expected. Like he was obviously gutted and devastated, but he, you know, he's put a brave face on and said the right things and recognized that he still has the fastest car underneath him right now. You know, it couldn't yeah. do a race distance, unfortunately, but uh, as unlucky as they were, they were still lucky. That safety car at the end saved. Yeah, totally. Like they would, they would have lost a bunch more points if. Oh, absolutely. If he might not even made the out. end of the race. Yeah. Yeah. He was really, really um, critical on fuel at the point the safety car came out. Mm. Apparently. And you know what? As well, like the fact that they've lost the cylinder, that could be any number of really, really simple things. That doesn't mean he's lost mm. an engine component for the year. Like if his turbo had gone, or if if um, the electronics had gone or something like that, then that would be a big problem because they're very difficult to repair. But an engine, a cylinder going could be something as simple as a spark plug, you know? Yeah. yeah. For it to just stop firing. Or it could oh, yeah, be, completely. It could, be, it could be a very small electrical fault as part of the ignition system. It's not normal. Like for one cylinder to go, that wouldn't normally be like a huge, huge engine problem. So it's probably a salvageable thing for them they'll be able to get Hopefully, around yeah. it and then you know they'll be able to find the fault with it and ensure it doesn't happen again so it's actually good that it's happened really early in the season because if, imagine if that had happened and the championship was on the line yeah exactly then we'd we, we think we think we're gutted for him now would have been insanely gutted for him if that had been the yeah game. and who wants to see his championship decided like that so by a spark plug yeah exactly like could be could be as simple as that i mean yeah like as as tragic as it is like he he's arrived like there's always been the hype around him and everyone's kind of known he's got a lot of talent but like this weekend was him saying i'm not just here to be number two like he's very much there to win the championship this year and i think he's got as good a chance as any of them to do it i'd say so based on this weekend's performance Mm. more so than vettel based on this weekend's performance that's for sure right now yeah Uh, are we have you got anything else on leclerc or I don't think so. I mean, I could wax lyrical for some time about how brilliant he is <laughs> and how sad this all was. But uh, <laughs> you've been doing that since right. this podcast began. <laughs> I know, right? I some people are um, probably sick of hearing us talk about him. To be honest, yeah. Is it okay if we talk about Ricardo for a moment? Yes. Yeah. Why not? Um, he had to have a little trip to the stewards. Well, um, yeah, he did. Oh yeah, go on. You do that, and then I'll, then we'll talk more about you. Yeah, sorry, I didn't. Speak oh, I assume that's what you're alluding to. But yes, he had to have a trip to Stewards to explain why he didn't uh, put the steering wheel back on his car. Um, at which point, he pointed out that the electrical warning light was on, and he didn't much fancy getting electrocuted. So they kind of said, "Yeah, that's fair enough. We won't give you a penalty for it." Um, it's uh, it's not fun. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, Ricardo must be wondering what on earth is going on at. Well, why why is he bothered changing teams? Like, yeah, it's it's just more of the same, is, isn't it? Is I, I I mean we 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 have discussed like the the Verstappen factor of it, and that was probably the deciding factor in why he did move. But to go to the works team and to be, he's got to be asking himself a few questions at the minute based on these last two races. Yeah, I mean, leading up to this season, he was very quick to say that he didn't expect to be fighting for wins and podiums all the time and this is kind of a long-term project thing but even so like he's just carrying on where he left off last season isn't he yeah well i guess let's not be too unfair on Renault because it was essentially his fault the retirement from australia yeah but, um 
for for engines to be just for both car. I mean, for both cars to just die on the same corner of the same lap, like it's oh, weird, yeah. isn't it? The, so weird. The irony, I think, for me personally, and this like really only relates to me. But I said not long before all these retirements, like Leclerc's engine going pop, and then the two Renaults. I'd literally said to someone, the thing is with Bahrain now, since it's become a, like a dusk evening race you've not got the heat, so you get less failures. So it's more about <laughs> there's, there's nothing to hit except each other. So you don't get as many DNFs as you used to. And then it just like three cars just went Oops. pop, pop, pop. So yeah. Leclerc fans, I'm sorry. It's probably my fault. <laughs> I did it. I'm sorry. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, we're on the subject of Bahrain itself. Like I think one of the reasons that we do get really good racing here is because most of the practice, well, two of the practice sessions are in the daytime when the track's really, really warm. Yes. And so they're useless. The session. Yeah, yeah, so they're basically pointless. And the, uh, the 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 second practice session is in the nighttime when it's more more rep- not fully representative, but much more representative of what the temp- track temperature is going to be during the race and qualifying. So mm. the fact that they don't get that much proper practice means that you do get like that's probably one of the reasons why Leclerc had such a shocker of a start when he lost those positions. Yeah, because- quite possibly. That they're just not used to running at that point in the evening when the tires are at the temperature that in relation to yeah. the trap being at the temperature it's at. So it makes the cars mm. very difficult to handle and they've had no practice for that really whatsoever. Which so. you could suggest is further evidence to the argument that dropping one of the three practice sessions would make for better races. Yeah. Um, but that's but a whole other discussion. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. 50 minutes in. Don't start <laughs> that's that a whole thing. <laughs> Yes. Um, so to mop up a few of the little things from the race, uh, Norris was a brilliant sixth place in the McLaren um, to score his first points in F1 um, from starting ninth on the grid. Uh, obviously, he gained a couple of places from the Renaults dropping out, but that's still an amazing result for them. Uh, Gasly also got his first points for Red Bull in eighth place, um, despite a, another iffy weekend, but we'll get onto that. Uh, and also first points for Albon, who inherited ninth place. Um Meanwhile, Racing Points and Haas, who you always expect to be best of the rest, were just nowhere all weekend. Perez was the only one of them who got a point in a 10th place. Um, Magnussen was another one who just said his car just felt terrible basically the entire weekend and just didn't understand why he was struggling so much with it. Uh, But it just shows how close that midfield is. Like You have a slightly ropey weekend and you don't just drop a few places, you drop the whole midfield. Yeah, you're out of it, aren't you? Yeah, you're out of the race. Yeah, basically. Mm. Um, and then Williams both finish the race again, but still significantly off the pace. I think that'll be the story every race this season, or majority well, of it. Um, interestingly, the fastest laps of the race, um, they weren't actually that... F- the, the fastest lap from Russell wasn't that far off the f- the fastest lap for whoever was... Um, almost as slow as him <laughs> <laughs> as long as it wasn't kibitza <laughs> there was only a 10 2 between russell's fastest lap and the next team's fastest lap okay. during the race so That's something at least th- yeah there is um there is promise in that in in the race car for williams but again they've got a lot of work to do to unlock that promise yeah it, it's, yeah, it sounds like there's something there They've just got to find a way of being able to run it at that pace consistently because they can only maybe punch a few laps like that without... Like, they can't consistently run at that pace is the impression that I get, for whatever reason that might be. Mm. Yeah. 
But there we go. Uh, shall we do driver of the day? Yeah. Who are your Who are your choices? <laughs> There's there's a very obvious one that's very deserved. There is a very obvious one. Yeah, the the official one was Leclerc, wasn't it? Understandably so. Yes, with more than fifty percent of the vote, I think. Yeah. yeah, and for me to finish third with the kind of problem he's got, that's uh, well, yeah. yeah, he got a little bit lucky at the end with the safety car, but he's got my vote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I want to mention uh, Lando and Norris as we kind of already have for. A really impressive sixth place and also i think hamilton drove a fantastic race like considering he had a slower car and he was his strategy put him on the back foot for the middle section of the race to mm. be there in a position to pick up the pieces and win the race it was a very very good drive from him yeah it's, um, that's that's that that kind of drive makes world championships absolutely this is one of those drives that's going to make the difference for sure if he if he wins it this year however it's it's gotta be Charles Leclerc. Yeah, it's, it's one of the yeah. other two <laughs> for me. Yeah, it just has to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, well, that's decided then, isn't it? Yep. No arguments. Uh, move of the day. Um, hmm. I liked watching Leclerc race his teammate. I just liked that whole thing of I am not here to sit behind you. Do not ever get that impression. And just taking yeah, the fight to battle for the lead of a race. Very well. satisfying. Yeah, it felt like a really forceful, strong kind of. Yeah, couldn't, you cannot argue with it. Move wasn't exactly. it? It was just like a full, full beans, full chat. It wasn't breezed past. Um, it. it wasn't necessarily like the most skillful overtake or the most amazing looking overtake or anything like that. So it probably wouldn't necessarily win the move of the day award, but it was just the whole more what it meant. Yeah, exactly. The meaning behind it uh, and, and what it stood. Yeah, what it stood for. Um, I've dropped a link in this doc to um, Norris overtaking Gasly, which I have a feeling wasn't actually on TV. I've only seen it since. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't on TV for sure. And I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but this very much gets my vote. I've seen it, yeah. Have you seen this, Tom? Um, I'm watching it as we speak. Uh, essentially, Norris sort of got a not the best run out of turn two um, on a sort of train of cars in front of him. Gets on the brakes quite a bit later than Gasly and then just kind of throws it half, in fact, almost entirely onto the curb on the outside and then flicks it around the outside of him into turn four. Yes, please. <laughs> this wins. <laughs> this yeah. wins. It's Retweet the, it. Let, every, it let the world see it. It wins. <laughs> <laughs> my, my eyes almost popped out of my head yep. when I yeah. saw that. I was just... What a move! And he, he all fully. I mean, yeah, he, he, one could argue that he all four wheels went over the white lines as he went around the outside, but he went around the outside. Yeah, and he made the track longer. No, he, he had of making the overtake. Yeah, he, he had wheels on the white line. He was fine. They were yeah, they were they weren't over the white line necessarily. They were they were they were just about on the white line. So I think it it's valid. It's valid. This, I give it my vote. I nearly swore with this sentence. I had to stop myself. There is some. <laughs> certain expletive racecraft in that move i'm not <laughs> you can tell it's the first time yeah. i've seen it can't you with the way i'm reacting yes. to it but <laughs> that um, is bleeping bleep bleep the, bleep 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 yeah bleep the, the term you're looking for is jam hot <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's a lot more f's not sure it the, was but we'll go with it there's a lot more yeah. f's in the sentence i'm looking for <laughs> it, it kind of looks like he's playing the f1 
video game and he's got the difficulty yeah. a little bit too low <laughs> yeah. and he's kind of caught yeah. out by how early the AI breaks and has to stick it on the cover. That is exactly what it looks like. It is brilliant. Cool. I'm glad you're in agreement on that one. Yeah, that wins. Um, <laughs> and then finally... Oh, that's me, isn't it? There's you. There's your cue. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? Hello, Sebastian. It's fitting. It's you, isn't it? <laughs> oh, there he is again. I think it might be. You know, he, he gets this award a lot, doesn't he? He's his award. award. <laughs> it is. Wow. Oh, man. Can, it's, br- it's so savage that he's... he's that can savage. you remember when it used to be the Crash to Maldonado Award of the race, though? Those yeah, like, oh, those are dark days. <laughs> <laughs> now it's the, yeah. the WTF. It feels more appropriate. It's more wide ranging as well. Yeah. Um, anything other than Vettel's pirouettes that you can think of? I did. Um, I did feel like Stroll integration at the start of the race was a bit clumsy, a bit unnecessary. Yeah, I don't. I feel like that that could have been avoided. Un- unavoidable, but cylinders going pop. Yeah, yeah, and that as it, well. It shouldn't happen. Just second race, it just shouldn't happen. Yeah. Nope. Like it's motorsport. Things like that do happen, but it was a moment that made me go WTF. Yeah. So, and that is what the award is about, isn't it? Each week. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is is it? It's Vettel, though. Is it Vettel? I think it's Vettel. I think that's yeah. as much of a talking point. Can I throw one more out there? Go Can for just it. Throw one more out Do there. It. When Leclerc got past Bottas and Bottas locked up, I felt like Bottas repeat. It felt like history repeating itself, and Bottas last year getting overtaken by a Ferrari, um, really easily down into turn one. Mm. Yeah, but it, um, it was, and it just felt like he didn't really defend it at all. He didn't even move move on the race. It's that wind, the... that gust of wind. Rosberg will tell you all about maybe. it. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. So th- that maybe an honourable mention for the yeah. BTF. I know, I yeah, do. Know what I, mean. like he, I feel like he needs to defend hard. He needs to work on his defending. He doesn't defend hard enough. That's why. That's what cost him. Or, yeah, for sure. Or maybe he over defended, and that's what led to his little mistake that let. Him through in the first Ooh, place, maybe. Well, it's not so, like Leclerc was actually properly trying to pass him. Was the weird thing he was yeah, kind of defending mm. fresh air and locked up. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't good enough. No, I, I, but, I um, definitely see the point. But it's still yeah. Vettel. But, but it's still Vettel. Yeah, but still, I'd have to give it to <laughs> Vettel spin. Yeah, Vettel spin. Vettel doing pirouettes on a racetrack yeah. again. This is what else could? Um, yeah, yeah, we're in agreement once more. Yeah. Um, would you like to hazard a guess uh, how many overtakes we had this race? Ooh, uh, a good number on track mm. or overall. Um, I believe this source includes um, ones in the pit lane as well. Uh, I'm going to say sixty, six zero, 60. seventy-five. <sighs> You've both gone quite high and you're still not high enough. It was 97. Nice. <gasps> uh, Whoa. 47 of which with DRS uh, and three of which were for the lead, which you don't see all that often. Wow. That's do we know how that compares to last year? We do. Last year, it was also very high. Um, last year was 86. Okay. So oh, wow. An improvement though, still. Yeah. But with an extra DRS zone, so mm. do you, do you have That's detailed enough really, you'd figures expect it... to tell us how many DRS there were last year compared to thirty-one last year? Mm-hmm. So yes. we've kind of increased the number we've increased by is also the number of DRS ones we've increased by. So yeah. that's probably mm. just the new DRS zone at work. 
that indicates maybe that the aerodynamic regulations haven't been quite as impactful as possibly yes but, but again having a third drs zone is kind of skewing the results a little bit yeah. Yeah. but anyway <laughs> shall we move on to predictions no yes please Let's go away from this does one of you guys want to take us through it no um, <laughs> as no you way. can tell by the tones of our voices we've not done well <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind i mean as long as i beat you two that's all i really mm. care about yeah so you do it then. i'll go i'll do it you do it then um Fastest in Q3 before penalties. Uh, none of us predicted that it would be Leclerc, even though we should have. I think oh, in the yeah. back of our minds, Absolutely we all thought it have. could be, but um, we didn't. We didn't. We failed to commit. <laughs> um, the winner was Hamilton um, again against all the odds. <laughs> um, Chris, you had Vettel. Uh, Tom and I both had Bottas. Um, first DNF Grosjean. Uh, Chris, you had Kvyat. Tom had Albon and I had Lance Stroll. Number of finishers, 16. You both had 17 and I had 16. So close. So I got a point. I got a point. Um, and random driver Stroll, I put my money where my mouth was and <laughs> thought he would come last. First DNF, he didn't. He finished 14th. Tom, you predicted him to be 11th. And Chris, you predicted him to be 10th. Um, we had this week our first ever in how many races have we been doing this? What three seasons? Twenty-one races, forty three seasons. Well, worth, this so is the third 40, season, isn't sixth, it? This will be yeah. about a f- yeah. yeah. This will be the forty-sixth. I think the forty-sixth running of this uh, predictions game, and we finally have a five out of five. Congratulations to Narayan Hamari, aka Scars of Karma. We'll play some sort of generic. Applause at this point in the broadcast. I'm just gonna keep doing it myself. And um, um, yeah, you've won. You've won. unbelievable. You've got five out of five. Yeah. So and it is unbelievable. Forty. It's taken forty six uh, races for us to get one, but we finally got one. Um, so give us email us with your details, and we will send you your prize. Yes, the prize that we've been promising for all this time, not knowing if anyone would ever actually manage it. Um, yeah, and there you go, second race of the, the season. The interesting thing is, somebody that wasn't Narayan did message and say, "Out of interest, what is the prize?" And I did, o- <laughs> oh, no. did honestly say, "We'll work it out when somebody gets it." <laughs> now we have to. <laughs> so yeah, now we do have now to. We really um, do it, have it, to. It'll be good. It it will be a good prize, though. I think. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, to get I mean, five out of five, that's no mean feat. And, you know, this this is someone as well who's been playing the game since the very, very... It might even be from the very beginning. Yeah, congratulations to you. Well done. Um, thanks for playing. Yes. And, yeah, we look very forward good to hearing work. you so we can send you, send you your prize. Um, uh, what else? I've got the... Who else? Uh, Neil Hyde, you got four yeah. as well so congratulations to you that was very very close almost the best of the week but um the next closest to you is cohen Ver- verigan um they got three points along with a few there's others. a few others on three there katie o'brien dominic pool don queen all regulars mm. yep dominic pool i recognize that name um i think i recognize the name katie yeah o'brien. yep facebook and a few times on stuffs yeah. yeah yeah so well done to you guys uh standings in the predictions league uh Nureen, you are in second with that amazing result neil hyde still at the top with seven points and um in third place it's 
a joint third place for Mark Alvarez and Tom Monk. So keep your predictions coming in. Um, and yeah, hopefully you can add more points to your tally next time around. Yes, and it just goes to show if even if you've missed the first two races, you can still win some stuff because <laughs> five yeah. out of five is now evidently possible. We've proven it. It's always been possible, just nobody's <laughs> yes. managed it, I guess. Yeah, just the odds. Are, yeah. I mean, you've got a one in... Well, yeah, who knows? I, I wouldn't want to hazard a guess. A one in many. Yeah. A one in many chance of doing it, but well done. I'm, yes. I am absolutely gobsmacked i can't believe it yeah. i gobsmacked yeah, i can't believe someone's done it um shall we do the next thing yeah i rattle through a really quick bit of extra newsy stuff uh we had the first formula two races of the season um we actually had the same three drivers on the podium for the feature race and the sprint race albeit in different orders uh the feature race was won by williams jr and uh, nicholas latifi um ahead of luca giotto and sergio sete camera uh, that in the sprint race, uh, Giotto emulated the what we're now going to call the Charles Leclerc strategy from a couple of years ago of mm. drive flat out, pit while everyone else stays out, and then he made up 20 seconds in the last 10 laps, passing 10 or 12 people to take the win, um, which was a really, really impressive drive. He, he, he did a Leclerc. He did a Leclerc, yeah. Um, and for some reason, Bahrain and F2 cars just seem to suit each other. Like every year they've been there, it's been amazing races. Yeah. Um, Does this mean that in two years' time he's going to be in a Ferrari and it's going to give up its engine at the same oh, track? No, I hope not. <laughs> the the is other dude, too, too, too soon. Way too soon. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, quick mention as well to Anton Hubert, who um, in his very first ever F2 race went from 11th on the grid to finish fourth uh, and then picked up some more yeah, points at eighth as well. Yes. Really good drive. Stellar drive there. Stellar drive. Yeah, Stellar he's, drive he's very good. Um, and also, we've got some more F1 action at Bahrain. Uh, it's the post-Bahrain test. Um, I guess if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it will be today and tomorrow. Uh, this is one of the tests where they have to run a young driver at some point. Um, so Mercedes, interestingly, are running Williams driver George Russell because he's only done two Grand Prix, so he's technically still a young driver. So they can get him in the Mercedes for <laughs> one last young driver test. Uh, we've also got Mick Schumacher appearing for Ferrari and for uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, Dan Tictum is going to be driving the Red Bull. Uh, Jack Aitken in the Renault. Uh, Pietro Fittipaldi in the Haas. Uh, Fernando Alonso is going to be driving the McLaren for one of the days. Ah, that famous young driver, Fernando Alonso. Yes, young driver, Fernando Alonso. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then again, I guess Lando Norris still counts as their young driver, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um... Then who else have we got? Oh, Nicholas Latifi, uh, F2 race winner, is also going to be driving for Williams. So I guess keep an eye on that. Um, there's a lot of, I think it's going to be the most representative test. There's a lot of Pirelli tyre testing going on during it as well. But I was about to say, isn't the Fernando Alonso particular one the um, or one of the Pirelli tyre tests? He's technically doing a Pirelli tyre yeah, test, yes. But right. yeah. I'm sure he'll be giving a little feedback on the McLaren as well. <laughs> just a little <laughs> um, all of which leads us into some inbox yeah uh, cool let's, let's, let's power through yeah, power through some inbox rattle through them yeah who wants to go first Tom you can go first yeah. uh, so first this week we've got Charlotte Taylor um, saying as a Lewis fan I've never been so gutted to see him win hmm. do you think Ferrari turned the car up more after Australia and it just couldn't cope in the end 
Yeah, I've seen a couple of people suggest that, that did Ferrari sort of try and push the engine too far after Australia? To be honest, I don't think their problems in Australia were necessarily engine related. I think it was more mm. on the setup side of things. Jury's still out on me for that because I still stand by the fact that in Australia last season, Ferrari were seven tenths off the Mercedes after looking strong in testing and then started hitting back as soon as Bahrain. This year, they were seven tenths off the Mercedes after looking strong in testing and have started hitting back as soon as Bahrain. <laughs> I think it's just that whatever they're doing in the last couple of years does not work at Australia and it's almost like yeah. to be expected for, based on just yeah. how cl- how similar those two sets of things are. Um, Bit of a bogey track. M- yes, fair enough. Maybe they yeah, did turn it-, it up a little and that's what's led to the failure, but I don't think there's too much to be read into it is I guess what I'm getting at. No. I am with you for the most part, Tom. I, I definitely think that bogey track um, mm. is a possibility. Um, you know, Mercedes have had their bogey tracks in the past, Singapore being um, the biggest culprit. Not necessarily last year, they managed to get over it, but in the years leading up to last year, definitely. Um, I don't think it's a big enough component failure for it to constitute the engine being turned up too far. I think it was just a bit of bad luck. They've yeah. got one minor component in that engine that has failed. Yep. Um, I don't think it's going to be a huge thing to fix it either. Uh, yeah, it's Emmett Nugent, and this week Emmett and well, we've got a couple of similar ones actually. So I'll just I'll just read one of them out and roll them um, together. Z- yeah, we'll sort of roll them together. Okay. Um, so Emmett and Zach and Cheese say, what is going on with Gasly? His qualifying has been awful and he looked into the points this weekend with both Renault's, cr- Renault's crapping out. <laughs> um, do we see him being there all year and who could replace him? And Zach and Cheese says, largely the same thing. What the hell is it with Gasly? And do you think, or are you praying with me that it could lead to a Rocketman caveat being back in the Red Bull if Pierre keeps disappointing massively. <laughs> also, how ironic is that Ricardo left Red Bull just to be haunted by more hmm. Renault engines, which we kind of covered. Um, yeah, Gasly. Yeah, Gasly. Gasly. We've not really spoke about Gasly, have we? Do you want my uh, interesting theory that I dropped in our little chat earlier that Chris was like, I like the idea of a theory. <laughs> yes, please do. Okay. So my th- The idea of a theory. Yeah, the theory of a theory. <laughs> My theory is that that Red Bull is not actually as good as Max Verstappen and previously Daniel Ricciardo have made it look. And that Max Verstappen is an excellent driver, as is Daniel Ricciardo. Thus, the gap between Pierre Gasly and Max Verstappen looks far worse than it actually is. I think there may well be a lot of truth in that. It almost reminds me of, do you remember after um, after Massa got injured in Hungary um, mm. and I can't remember, they had someone else in the car for a race or two and then Fisichella moved over to Ferrari. Luca Bedoa. Luca yeah. Bedoa, yes, Luca did a Bedoa. few races. Um, and then... Fisichella moved over for the last few races. Like Fisichella was like he's a race winner. Like he's a he was a solid racing driver, and he was nowhere in that Ferrari. And everyone said like the lot of it was just down to that Ferrari being such a different race car to everything else. Mm. It was just very very difficult to step into that car and be fast. And it's entirely possible there's an element of this here. Like I mean, Giovinazzi is struggling a bit as well, and 
it's easy to forget that like two or three years ago they were like the two guys at the top of f2 like setting the world alight um yeah i i think gazi's having a hard time but i don't think he's as bad as the results are making him look so far for sure I think it's it is more of a highlight of how good Danny Rick and Max are, and that's the yeah. The, the, mm, yeah. the comparisons maybe more how good are they <laughs> rather than is Gasly bad? It, it, that was just where I was going with it. I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out over time. Anyway, I th- I think the thing he needs to worry about the most is Dan Tictum getting enough super license points because mm. Red Bull <laughs> seem hell-bent on getting Dan Tictum into Formula 1 and as soon as he has enough super license points they're going to find somewhere to put him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, maybe. It might be waiting a while for those super license points. It though, sounds but, like it, but we'll um, see. Yeah. Other than that, from me, what these guys just said. Yeah. <laughs> That's, cool. Glad you agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree with everything. I agree Sorry, with I, I kind of hijacked that with my wild, <laughs> wild theories. It was good. I liked it. But I, I know Chris was eager to hear it after I teased it earlier. <laughs> Very eager. Uh, next up, uh, Brett Dupee says, after being far off the pace in the first two races, will Williams score any points at all this year? And if not, do they finally decide it's time to make some big changes? Ooh, I think they've already decided to make big changes because mm. it doesn't look mm. like Paddy Lowe's going to be around for much longer. But uh, will they or won't they get points? Quick yes or no answer from me. The answer is yes, I think they will get points eventually. Mm. Optimism. I'm probably the opposite at the minute. If it carries on the way it is, I think no. Yeah, I think it's a no as well. Um, also on big changes, they've brought back uh, Patrick Head, who is like a powerhouse of Formula One from over the decades. So he might be a good person to uh, help turn things around for them. Yeah. Uh, Vasco Breitenfield, I hope I said that right, because I did this last week. Uh, you guys called it when you predicted, uh, when you predict Merck, it is a Ferrari poem. <laughs> that is They're not wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't argue with that. This is why you never follow our lead on predictions. <laughs> yeah. At least we predicted yeah, yeah, that we not. predict wrong. Yes, maybe that's that, true. Maybe that's just how this works. <laughs> like, yeah, we've done these, but we know they're going to be wrong. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when you're predicting them way like three days before the first practice session, you're gonna struggle to get five in slightly on the back foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In our defence, I, like... I will say though, considering how many people I see also submit them as soon as they've heard the podcast and everything. No, don't say that. We, give, we give may have this. to stop using oh, that don't, excuse give us soon. Stop I'm just it. Saying. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> next one. Next one. Um, Alex Thompson says, "Hell of a race." You're not wrong there. Um, share about Charles Leclerc. Uh, but every driver will lose victories through mechanical issues. This is also true. Uh, will Bottas relapse into the years form continue? To read that sentence what, no, again. <laughs> sorry, I'll read that again. I'll, I'll go again, shall I? My reading is just rubbish. Will Bottas's relapse into last year's form continue? And how does Vettel come back from this entire weekend? He's in trouble now, surely. Uh, my own feeling is that he'll probably retire at the end of the season. I don't know about you. Guys. Really? <laughs> no, I don't think he will. That's a big call. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if he did. If he does, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, in Bottas's defence, for a, a chunk of the race, he had a plastic bag stuck to his car, so <laughs> that's a new excuse I've not heard before. And the racing driver is always ready with one. 
<laughs> in the opening lap, there is a plastic bag, and he does hit it. Yeah, well, there so we go. It's like l- turn one where where that gets sort of <laughs> not a great start. start. And I, did, I, I I spotted it and pointed it out during the broadcast as well. I did. Um, I th- I think we'll see badass Australia Bottas back this season. I think he was he was a weak weaker race for him, but I think he'll be back. Um, as for Vettel, who knows. Yeah, it, it wasn't really a bad performance from Bottas, I don't think. It was more just that the Mercedes wasn't on the same pace as the Ferraris. So I, yeah, I, don't, totally. I don't think there's too much to be read into, into that. No. Uh, Peter Reynolds says, uh, when will Seb leave Ferrari after having his ass kicked by Charles? <laughs> uh, Duncan Monday says, will Vettel eventually give way for Mick Schumacher? Uh, and Louisiana, Louisiana, I think that's right. Uh, says Louis, don't feel Louis Louis, Louis, Senna. Louis, Senna, Louis oh, Senna. Louis Senna. I was trying to make it into a real name. Louis Senna says, uh, "Don't feel sorry for Leclerc. He'll be a world champion within three years. Pirouette Vettel returns, and Mercedes reliability continues to lead the way. Do you think this weekend marks the start of Vettel's end as Ferrari number one driver?" Yes. Um, Simple answer on that one. Yes. He's retiring. He's retiring end of the I, season. Yeah. That- that young M Schumacher guy is going to end up in that car sooner rather than later. I think you know. Yeah, I mean, on Mick Schumacher, I am really afraid there that he's just going to get pushed too much too soon and get ruined. Like the the whole F two weekend was just all about him. Like I lost count of how many times in mm. commentary the commentator it's... said, "And here comes the son of the seven time world champion." It's like just chill out and let him be a driver and yeah, drive it... his race. The thing is, though, if he can deal with that amount of pressure, he will stand a good chance. If if and when For he sure, gets into yeah. F one, because of the amount of pressure he's probably been under his entire career since he was a kid. So it it'd be he... interesting to see. And to be fair, the the combination of him from what I've seen of him in lower formula. And Charles Leclerc, based on what I've watched of him over the last five years or whatever it's been, I, I'd love to see them in a car together because I think it'd just be immense. Oh, yeah, it'd be great. Um, I, I think it, from this weekend, at least, it doesn't look like Schumacher's going to be winning the F2 title this year, which I think is exactly what he needs. He needs a couple of years in F2, I think, before he's F1 ready, I would say. Yeah. Mm. I'd yeah, agree that. I... I'm with you there. Phil Mark says, uh, I know in your next podcast you'll talk about Leclerc's heartbreak, but can we also say Lando Norris did an epic drive? Do you think this is McLaren starting its comeback? And That's Life also had a similar thing saying, uh, are McLaren suddenly decent again? Signs seem quicker than Verstappen before sustaining the damage uh, after the two of them connected. And after the race... It felt he would have. Uh, so he felt he would have caught the Mercedes too. Norris finishing sixth in only his second F one race, passing cars along the way. Uh, yeah, McLaren comeback. Um, I mean, it could be, could be the start of something great for McLaren. They're beating. They, I mean, they smashed the Renault hands yeah. down, didn't they? Were, were they? They were behind the Renaults when the Renaults retired, right? Yes, they were. Whether signs okay, would have so... been had he not. Had the puncture, yeah, I'm not because sure. Because obviously but... Sainz was ahead of them at the time that he had his, his yeah. issue in contact. So, yeah, it's difficult to judge if they, where they are compared to the Renault just yet until they finish a couple more races with them all on track. But it's the Alonso factor, isn't it? Like, Alonso goes to a team that should be good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he struggles to get anywhere near a world title like he wants. 
he leaves and then they become good again. <laughs> like F- McLaren, Ferrari, McLaren. <laughs> Happens. Yeah. It's just the yeah. Alonso factor. Yeah, it does happen. Um, Alonso was there this weekend to see that unfold in front of him. So he must have been... <laughs> he was, yeah. Quite, I don't, uh, yeah he, he, there was a shot of him when uh, Leclerc... Um, Leclerc started to have his uh, engine trouble, looking very, very sad. I'm not sure that's what he was sad about. I think he saw where Norris. Yeah, <laughs> and like, Damn it, do you know I, what? I want that position. I, I agree with you. You know, I think he was really like actually sad about how well the McLaren was doing without him in it. Anything? Anything to add? Anyone? On that I don't one? think so. No, just it, it's looking good for McLaren, but I think wait and see for a couple of races before we get too excited. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I forgot my order going in, so I'm just going to start talking. Um, <laughs> Go, do it. Next, uh, Tom Austin Morgan, absolutely gutted for Leclerc. He looked and drove like a clear-cut number one driver today. Lewis was a class act over the radio and by going to commiserate with Leclerc after the race. What's happening to the Renaults, though? Both of the works team stopping and signs his engine. And then Nick adds, uh, what should we expect from Renault with double DNF so far this season? Have your expectations grown or lessened? And do you think Ricardo's F1 champion dreams are gone? Um, I don't make gone. I think they're not quite as rosy as they maybe previously looked. But as we've said lots of times, he's there for like twenty twenty one. Yeah, he's he's taking the the Lewis Mercedes kind of gamble, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he. That's exactly what he's doing. Um, he's not focused on this. Well, he's probably he wants to do well this season, obviously, but he's he wants to probably wants to beat his teammate, and that's all he's really interested in doing yeah. this season. And um. Yeah, that's is is looking forward, isn't he? To he wants to be in a works team for when these yep. when this big regulation change com, change comes through. The next one is the the Jean Denis Delatraz posting experience says, oh, here we go. Says <laughs> will uh, right. I'll start that again, <laughs> shall I? With how Carlos Sainz is racing, if you would have told me that it is just Stoffel van Dorn in a mask, I would absolutely believe. Oh dear. You. <laughs> Oh, that's a bit harsh, harsh John Dennis. Um, do you feel the average F1 fans yearning for how drivers carried themselves 25 to 30 years ago clashes with the growth of the sport? The, the amount of people who bemoan Hamilton's use of Instagram or Snapchat reads like a geriatric being angry on Facebook that their grandchildren got computer jobs <laughs> instead of working down mine. And contracting a lung disease. <clears throat> I love how you've gone natural you... accent for this. Yeah. yeah, yeah this yeah, is how yeah, Stu yeah. talks most of the time. <laughs> yeah. just puts on a voice for the yeah, podcast. This is non podcast. Don't tell him that. Don't, this is, um, do you. Now, you're actually like trying really hard not to talk in that accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, no longer my natural accent. <laughs> um, do you feel the team. Do you, oh, God. <laughs> do you feel the team itself is the most important part of a, of a fan and their identity or is a driver being relatable and socially active the biggest asset in it, that F1 has in 2019? Obviously, it helps if the driver is a generational talent. Is Lewis Hamilton the motorsport equivalent of LeBron James? <laughs> um, I would say that Lewis Hamilton is the the motorsport equivalent of LeBron James. Or, Absolutely. Or uh, Steph Curry, if you want to throw another basketball player yeah. in there or you know Babe Ruth if you want to throw a baseball player in there. like yeah there he is he's, he's an absolute superstar yeah. I mean yeah totally yeah. and I think 
we've since Liberty Media have taken over, you know, whatever you think about them, we've definitely got owners of F1 now who understand that side of things and make the most of it as opposed to the previous owners who saw Lewis Hamilton posting things on Instagram and just sort of went, uh, it's weird, I don't like it, I don't understand it, I'm going to pretend it's not happening. Like, F1 barely had a Twitter account <laughs> until like three or four years yeah. ago. Yeah, I, like, I, I do think you need it because like what we're saying in that whole comment is the fact that the it's what will involve the younger generation. Like, if we don't start bringing a younger generation of fans through then the sport will die in its rear end in 10, 15 years because the, mm. <laughs> like, yeah. there'll be nobody new to watch it and the viewing figures will be through the yeah. floor. So, yeah. The thing, the thing is, like, you know, younger... I'm going to say the word, I'm going to say the horrible word that I hate the most, but millennials, Ugh. they watch... Motors, yeah, that's, sorry, I wash my mouth. <laughs> they'll, um, they don't watch motorsport on TV. No. They watch all of their content on the internet. So um, to be a Formula One fan who is angry about that is to be Scrooge McDuck. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same with anything though, isn't it? There's always a percentage of people who just don't like any change, but you can't deny that Hamilton has probably done more to grow F1 with younger fans and also with american fans in the last few years than probably anybody else yeah it's it's one of those things isn't it where if you don't want to like him because of that's the way he conducts himself that is your prerogative like it's the same way that some people don't like the way that vettel isn't on social media and think that he's really dull and boring for not posting tweets every day about what he's yeah. eating for lunch like they're ex- they're exactly the polar opposite really in that respect aren't they and some people like lewis and dislike vettel for that reason and vice versa so yeah if you, it's not no one's saying you have to get snapchat and watch what lewis is posting on it so i don't think it's that yeah. big a deal the future is here and it sees everything that you had for breakfast the future is here <laughs> and it has filter mode <laughs> um last one for this week is uh brooke archer saying ferrari have stuffed up bahrain again obviously the cars failed leclerc and vettel failed himself but do you think this year the team behind leclerc and vettel will step up or are we going to see more silly mistakes like we did in a number of races last year I mean, based on the previous few seasons, if anyone's going to carry on making silly mistakes, it's going to be Ferrari, sadly. Um, I mean, obviously, they've had a change of owner, um, owners, change of team principal and some new talent involved. Maybe they're going to turn a corner this year and not make so many silly mistakes. I mean, to be fair... Um, it's been basically driver error rather than sort of team error um, so far. You know, you can't really blame a uh, an engine part failing on the strategy side of things, which is what failed them a lot last season. But yeah, I think just for the sake of it being a good championship, I really hope they do sort out that side of things. Yeah, well, we definitely saw a lot less strategy issues last year, didn't we? And the things that have gone wrong thus far not strategy related so yeah fingers crossed it's not really the team letting them down it's just unfortunate luck and 
generally speaking, everybody has a little bit of bad luck at some point in the season, some more than others, but eventually it mm-hmm. happens to most people. So, yeah, um, there was a moment around the pit stops where I said to the guys I was watching it with, Ferrari need to pit Vettel right now or his race is gone. And they pitted him. And <laughs> That's a good sign. A couple of years, yeah, in a couple, a couple of years ago, they wouldn't have pitted him at that point. So strategy-wise, I think they've, they're showing the early signs. And to be fair, last year they were, they were decent on strategy as well for the most part. Yeah. Um, except for Raikkonen. Yeah. Um, they're showing the early signs of that, you know, they're showing some promise strategy-wise and they, it's so early in the season that it's just really, really difficult yeah. to say, to answer any of these kinds of questions. Um, it would be sad to see Vettel continue to make these kinds of mistakes, for sure. Um, and it'd be even more sad to see more mechanical failures, but I really my heart of hearts says that it, that probably won't be the case. I think it's it's a blip. That Ferrari were very, very, very unlucky in Bahrain. Yes. Um, and also a little bit lucky with a safety car at the same time. So already <laughs> things are looking good. <laughs> yeah. And I think that probably just about will do us for this week. It's been a, it's been a long one as we expected it probably would be. Mm. Uh, thank you very much, everybody who uh, sent in messages. Uh, we had so many that we didn't have time to get to all of them, uh, but do keep writing in, even if we didn't get to you this week. I'm sure we will in the future. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe and all those things wherever you listen to the podcast because it helps us immeasurably. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook. Just search Back of the Grid. And our website is backofthegrid.com. Um, we'll be back in a week's time to preview the Chinese Grand Prix. Uh, but until then, thanks for joining us and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. That was a top 10 ending there, Chris. Thank you very much. top 10 ending. It's going on my Mount Rushmore. (laughs) I just like started speaking and I didn't really know what was happening. It just kind of was, it was like an out-body experience. (laughs) (laughs) So literally that's the last hour and a half for me. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh